Welcome to the conversation. I'm your host, Rashad Ritchie. We have an interesting guest today. I have with me Joe Collins the third. Joe Collins is running for Congress in California, District 43 to be exact. That district is currently represented by none other than Congresswoman Maxine Waters, known affectionately as Auntie Maxine to many. We have Joe Collins on the show, 13 years of service to the United States Navy. And he has a really interesting story. Joe, thank you for being on the show. And thank you for having me, I really appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. So let's get right into it because you've said some things on Twitter, you've said some things on television. Let us let me jump into the policing aspect. Um, do you believe that policing needs reform in the United States of America? Yes, absolutely. I think anybody who doesn't believe policing needs to be reformed is living in the, in the 60s. It definitely needs a lot of reform right now. What are some of your recommendations to police reform? Well, I would tell you this, the the Justice Act that was introduced by Senator Tim Scott, as well as the George Floyd Justin Policing Act that was introduced by Congresswoman Karen Bass is absolutely a great start. I mean, accountability for police officers is absolutely necessary, especially in these day and age where everything is, is publicized because of social media, because of cell phones and everybody can see everything that happens. You made a great point. And let me talk about the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act. You say that that is a good start. However, basically 100% of your would-be Republican colleagues are completely against that act. How do you reconcile the two? How do you become a bridge between those two ideologies? Well, I would say that the majority of my would-be Republican colleagues don't live in the inner cities. I live in the inner city. I'm from South Central Los Angeles. And certain things that we that we go through in the inner cities, you know, a lot of people don't get the ability or the, or the opportunity to, um, to to go through. So when you talk about police accountability, uh, that's something that needs to happen. When you talk about body cams that need to be worn, that absolutely needs to happen. When you talk about reform on a local and a federal level, that absolutely needs to happen. We can't have cognitive dissidents our whole entire our whole entire lives. And so I would say this. If you can't understand that we need police reform, then you need to spend a lot of time in the inner cities and understand what, what people go through on a regular basis. You know, you make an interesting observation, and I agree with you 100% that many of these individuals, they live in a bubble. They live in, you know, there's a barrier between them and reality. But here's the thing, man, you are a black Republican, and this is the sentiment of your current party, right? So, how do you challenge them? To have common sense as it relates to police reform. And let me just read one stat. 94% of Americans believe that police reform needs to happen. Out of that, 58% believe that it needs to be dramatic in order to in order for it to be effective. 51% of Republicans say police reform needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly. So how is it that an entire party of individuals are totally antithetical to police reform. You know, like I said before, it's a party who does not have that inner city experience. Even even a lot of conservatives who speak on issues don't have the inner city experience. One thing that we've been very effective at in South LA is bringing Republicans to South LA so they can see what goes on in our communities. They can see the lack of quality education. They can see the lack of quality jobs. They can see the deterioration in infrastructure. And these things are important in ensuring that you know, our, our colleagues can understand the reason why we need reform in a police department. 
And if they can't get on board with it, and I suggest that they get out of Congress right now because the government was instituted to be a benefit and protection for the people of the United States. And not just the people who live in rural America, not just the people who live in rich America, but for all Americans, including urban America. Damn brother, listen man, I gotta say this, all right? You're making a lot of sense to me and this is freaking me out right now. So let me ask you the the next question that's obvious, right? Uh, why are you in fact a Republican? Because typically you connect to a party based on ideology, based on policy, and everything you've said thus far is adversarial to what your party represents right now in the US Senate and the, and the United States House of Representatives. So why are you a black Republican? Well, I'm a, I'm a Republican because when I joined the military back in 2004, my uh, my mentors would say, you know, you join your party based on the values that align with you, and you vote for people based on the values that align with you. When I look at the history of the Republican Party, it was started predominantly by black men as the anti-slavery, the Freedom Party, the party that uh, is for limited government. These are values that align with me. Now, what the party is today is a party that you know really has no inner city experience, and that's something that everybody. Should, should have, you know, especially if you want to be a policymaker. A lot of politicians on both the Democrat side and the Republican side refuse to come to the inner city and connect with the people on a level that they can understand what the people are going through. So me being a Republican is a choice that I made on my own. When I'm in a district, people say, well, you're a black Republican and we're all Democrats. And I say, yes, I understand, but your political party preference is your Preference. Now, the issues that we have in our community goes beyond political party preference. We have a lot of age politicians on the Republican and Democrat side that needs to be replaced by younger politicians who want to implement action, regardless if that action is going to solve every single problem. I'm sick of hearing politicians say, well, we're trying and pointing the finger at this person and pointing the finger at that person without introducing positive legislation that's going to impact our communities positively. Let's talk about policy, Joe. And here's something I bring up often to people because I think it's important for folks to understand that there's a reason why a lot of black people vote for Democrats, okay? Typically, you hear on the right rhetoric that says, oh, you know, black people just give their vote away to Democrats and they don't want anything in return, they don't hold them accountable. But let me read some statistics, okay? And this is taken from the United States Census Bureau. Under Democratic presidents, black families' incomes grew on an average of $895 per year, but only grew $142 under Republicans. The black unemployment rate fell by a net of 7.9% across the 26 years of Democratic leadership, but went up 13.7% during that same time frame for Republican presidencies. Across the years of Democratic leadership, black poverty has declined by a net of 23.6 percentage points, but black poverty actually grew three percentage points under Republican presidents. So the question really is, why would a black person vote for a Republican? Given all of the statistical elements connected to progress, economic progress for black Americans when there is in fact a Democratic president. Yeah, I absolutely understand what you're saying. I'm not personally asking for black people to vote for Republicans. I'm asking people in my community to vote for Republican. I can't speak for every single black family who has experienced wealth or experienced decline under a Democrat or Republican president because I'm not 100% familiar with all of their agendas. But what I can say is in my communities and predominantly black communities, inner cities, um, that are ran by Democrats, we know that things happen on a local level. 
And so on a local level in my community, 43% of the people who live here are living below the poverty line. And I can't speak for every single other American, but what I can say is that it's time for a shift in leadership. And I want people to vote for the person who they feel is gonna best improve their quality of life. And if you've been experiencing poverty or lack of quality life under a Democrat, then yes, absolutely vote for someone else, vote for a new party. If you like where you are, then by all means stay there. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, you, you brought him up uh, just a minute, man, and, and he's been in the headlines because when he gave his rebuttal speech, he basically said that you know systemic racism isn't you know that real. And I looked at some of your uh, tweets, and you've kind of echoed the same thing. As a matter of fact, let me read this. Let me read it uh, verbatim. Uh, you said, Uncle Tom, Uncle Tim, Uncle Bob, Uncle Frank, I don't give a damn. I'm standing with this man, and then you tagged uh, Senator. Tim Scott. So do you agree with his with his his first assessment that somehow racism is not that big a deal basically is not systemic in the United States? Um no, this is what I agree with. His sentiment was America isn't racist. And I agree, America is not racist. We have racist people in America and we have policies still in effect in America that contribute to the systemic racism in America. So you do agree um, that systemic racism is in fact a reality in America. Oh yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, you so can brother, what, what do you say? And, and I, I got to opine, man. So what do you say to people like Mitch McConnell and others who say that systemic racism is a fantasy? Systemic racism is not real. What do you say to those guys? And do you challenge those individuals in your party to to stop saying damaging things that only cover up the reality of the evil that we all know permeates in our culture? Well, like I said before, Mitch McConnell doesn't live in anybody's inner city. And so if you don't live in the inner city and you've never been affected by it, then obviously it's not real. Do you really think you have to live in the inner city, brother, in order to understand that racism is real in America? Let me read some other stats, man. This was published by the Public Religion Research Institute. It says 57% of Republicans believe that whites face a lot of discrimination. That's what Republicans say. Those same Republicans also say, 52% of those Republicans say that black people face discrimination. Literally, white Republicans are saying that they face more discrimination than black people in America. Now let's compare that to Democrats in this study from Public Religion Research Institute. Among Democrats, 92% of Democrats say that black people face discrimination. In the United States of America, I guarantee you, brother, all of those Democrats don't live in the urban city or in urban America. They don't. They don't live in the inner city. Not all of them. The vast majority of them don't. So how is it that these white Democrats can understand that systemic racism is a reality, but these white Republicans cannot? Well, I don't even have an answer for that question. I'm not a white Republican. I can speak from my experience. You know, I face discrimination, and I know people who face discrimination from across the entire world, even racism. I mean, we still have the Ku Klux Klan that are still in play in some pockets of America. But you know, if a person say a white person say, well, I've experienced some type of discrimination. I mean, yeah, obviously, when you have an American history that is based on slavery and the descendants of of slaves haven't been made whole yet, and they're looking at those people like, you know what? You guys got your due process, but we have yet to get ours. I can understand how they'll feel that way. And when it comes to Democrats, you know, the media puts a lot of this information out, and then a lot of people feel the same way. A lot of people experience it, so I can understand both sides. 
Okay, let me go to um, a direct quote from Senator Tim Scott. Are you a fan of Senator Scott's? That fair to I say? Think, I think he's a pretty awesome dude. Okay, he said one of the reasons I have asked to lead this police reform conversation on my side of the aisle is because I personally understand the pain of being stopped 80 times. Driving while black. Now, this was after he said systemic racism does not exist. Now, already on this show, Joe, you have said systemic racism is real. Senator Tim Scott says it is not. Mitch McConnell says it is not. You have already said on this program that the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act is a good start. They say it is a bad start. They actually said, and I quote, it is a non starter. You, based on two massive social issues, you have already created more connection to disenfranchised communities within minutes than they have in years. How do you get down with a political system like that without calling them out at the same time that you call out Democrats for whatever the partisan ideological differences may be? I think for me, because I served in the military, and one thing that we do is we respect both files on a nonpartisan basis. I'm critical of everybody. I'm critical of Democrats just as much as I am of Republicans. And a lot of people hate it, but at the end of the day, I don't care because my job right now is to represent the people. And if the people feel like they're being discriminated against, if they feel like they're having all of these problems, then as a representative, it is our responsibility to do what we can to represent those people in a matter that they want to be represented, not a matter that we feel like we want to represent them in. So. If people are getting pulled over by police, if discrimination is real, if all of these issues people are really feeling in their hearts, then we gotta do something about it. We can't sit back and ignore it and say, you know what, I'm gonna ignore your reality because it doesn't fit my agenda. We gotta stop doing that. And that's why we need to overhaul every single politician that we have that is not willing to put forth action to improve the lives of the American people. Well, let's talk about that. Now, you have been critical of Maxine Waters, you've even called for her arrest. Saying that she basically tried to influence a trial, okay? And you called for her arrest. You cited a code for calling for her arrest. Did you call for the arrest of Donald Trump? No, I did not. Tell me why. Because in Donald Trump's speech, because I was there, he said that we need to go peacefully protest, peacefully walk to the Capitol and let our voice be heard. Donald Trump didn't say, Oh, well, if this election doesn't go right, then you guys need to get in the streets and remain confrontational and, and do all of this stuff. He's never said that. Now, Donald Trump did say during that speech things that did incite individuals to riot. As a matter of fact, Mitch McConnell said that he is responsible for the insurrection against the United States Capitol. He said that right after this. Pence basically said it without saying it. Do you disagree that Trump is responsible at least for the insurrection? I'm asking you this, brother. I'm not trying to be unfair to you. I'm asking you this because you have been very big and bold as it relates to Maxine Waters. Are you able to exhibit that same boldness when it comes to people in your own party? Yeah, I don't think President Trump had anything to do with inciting a riot at the Capitol. And the reason why is because when you look at the FBI reports that came out, these things have already been planned before he even had his speech. As a matter of fact, the people are already walking up to the Capitol and trying to break in before the president even finished his speech. But if we could say that President Trump is responsible for inciting what happened on January 6th by not taking action, 
then we could say that Mitch McConnell and all the rest of the representatives are responsible for the rioting that went on this whole entire year for not passing simple criminal justice reform that would negate the majority. I see what you're doing, brother. I see what you're doing, Joe. And people aren't saying he's responsible because of inaction. They're saying he's responsible because of his action, because of what he said prior to that. And there are individuals who were arrested by the federal government who said, and and literally said point blank, I did this because Trump told me to. They said that in the investigation, and that's part of the, the documented evidence, that they would not have engaged in this activity unless the President of the United States said so. But let me go beyond that. Do you think what happened at the Capitol was in fact a terrorist attack that these individuals should be condemned to the highest order and it was un-American what they did? Uh, I think that what they did was uncalled for. I think it was irresponsible. You don't I mean, think it was criminal and terror and, and uh, acts of terror? It wasn't an act of terror, but it was definitely criminal. I wouldn't support anybody going into that Capitol building. I think so, that's brother, what's, what's your definition of terrorism? Terrorists would be like an Al Qaeda organization who are looking to overthrow the government. That's what I look at a definition of a terrorist. That is not the criminal definition of terrorism. The criminal definition of terrorism is the utilization of coercion, force, aggression, and criminality in order to exert political influence. That's what terrorism means. That is your textbook legal definition of terrorism. Now, when you look at what happened, I want you to do this, Joe, because you're a smart guy. When you look at what happened, if their last names would have been Muhammad, who stormed that capital, would you call it terrorism then? <laughs> uh, probably, it just depends, if, are they American or not? It doesn't matter, terrorism is terrorism, regardless of your race, regardless of your religion. Uh, terrorism is terrorism, and what you have just said on this show, brother, think about it. If their last names would have been different, you would have called their actions acts of terrorism. And, and, I, and I, want you to, I want you to get the connection here. And this is why people are outraged and irritated. Because we all know that if their last names would have been Muhammad, if they would have happened to be black people who stormed that capital, sir, they would be dead. They would have been shot dead, okay? This would not have been called um, uncalled for, as you said. This would have been called an act of terrorism. And, and I would love it for folks on the right like yourself who actually do have some common sense to say, you know what? It's time to draw the line in the sand. The crazes are over here and the people with common sense over here. Yes, this was a criminal act and an act of terrorism. Can you do that, Joe? Yeah, I don't think I would. I would call it criminal, but the terrorism, I think that's going too far. I think it absolutely is going too far. And what I said about his last name being Muhammad, I asked if he was American or not. Now, if he wasn't American, then absolutely, because you're exerting political force from another country. But here in the <laughs> United States, even the Constitution says a well-regulated militia is necessary to oh, come on, the government brother. check. Oh, okay, so let me ask you this then, since you want to go there. Are members of the KKK, are they terrorists? I would, I would say they are. They're American? Yeah, but they exert their own political force. They exactly, brother, you just made my point time. for me. Yeah, but you're talking about a group of people who are not associated with any organization. You can say, well, they're Trump supporters, but Trump supporters is not an official organization as a group. But they are associated with organizations. I want you to read the justice report from 2006 that said the greatest threat to American policing is the infiltration of white supremacists and organized groups like the KKK inside of police agencies. 
They said in a study that was the greatest threat to policing in America. That's an organization. The Ku Klux Klan is absolutely an organization. And they're connected to organizations, is my point. Some people are. Yeah. Okay, let's, um, we got a couple of minutes, man. Um, why are you running against Maxine? Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Well, I think it's time that we had a change in leadership here in South LA. Maxine, she's been there for a very long time. She was very productive in the 90s, but in the 2000s, we haven't had that same production. Um, I think that a person who is as senior as, as Maxine Waters no longer represents what the people are looking for. And so this is why I'm running. We need new infrastructure. We need to improve our quality of life. We need to improve our education. We need new jobs. We need someone in Congress who's going to represent us and actually write bills and get bills passed that's going to improve the quality of life in America. But also, one thing that's more important, work with Democrats as well as Republicans and independents in order to make these type of things happen. I think right now you have so many people who are struggling to be right where they filibuster each other to death and we can never get anything done. Joe, we're running out of time, man. You have run for this seat before. I think you got about 80,000 votes. It's a district population of well over 700,000 people. You got 46 to 49% Hispanic, around 23 to 25% African American in this district. What makes this run for you different? Why do you think you're gonna be better at running this election this time? Well, last time it was my first time running. We did a really good job. We did better than any other person has run against Maxine. She is a formidable opponent. But this time, I think we learned a lot. We gained a lot of experience from our last election, and we're gonna run a more positive campaign to where we highlight okay. what it is that we plan on doing for our community. All right, last question before I go. Did Trump, in fact, lose the election, <laughs> or did some mystical creature steal it from him? Well, I'll, I'll say this, he did lose. The Democrats did what needed to be done in order to win that election. And I think this next time, the Republicans, if you wanna win, you gotta get down and get dirty like everybody else. My brother, I appreciate your time today, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the conversation. Thank you for having me.